Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Well, today's message is entitled, How to Pray for America. This is a standalone message. It's not a series. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sharing a message that I can tell you I have prayed over for a long time. I have sensed a great uh, direction of the Holy Spirit to speak to you about this, to, to give us a response to how we engage this moment. I believe the church is at a time of incredible opportunity right now. We're in a moment of great challenge in our nation, but I believe the church has some great opportunity. Now, what I want to share with you today is going to be a message for, for, for the spiritually mature and sincere. And uh, I want to talk about prayer, how we pray. It's incredibly important. I'm going to start today and do something I don't think I've ever done. But I want to make a point I have to illustrate to you about the significance of where we are, our assignment for this moment. We, have, we need to take a broader picture of where we are and understand the issues that are really confronting us. In a moment, I'm going to show a video of a prophetic word given over the church and over America in the last two or three weeks out of a prayer rally in Washington, D.C. This prophetic word is powerful. It's encouraging. It's speaking about revival and outpouring and awakening. <clears throat> and I want you to hear this message. I want you to hear this word, to listen to it carefully. And then after that, I'm going to share with you something that I'm hearing that's the exact opposite of this. And we're going to understand, I'm teaching us today, how to pray for America at this very moment in 2020. Let's look at this first prophetic message. I want you to see this. We take dominion today over the powers of darkness that have ruled over our nation, and we command them to be broken in the name of Jesus. For this is the hour of the church, says the Lord, and not the hour of man. And by the end of this year, says God, the greatest outpouring that you've ever seen is going to hit the United States of America. Starting January 20. In this year, hallelujah, God is going to begin to declare that there is a release of an unprecedented move of the Holy Ghost like we've never seen in our lifetime. Thus saith God, I'm coming after the strongholds that have ruled over this nation for decades, and I am pulling them down by the power of the Spirit of God. For the violence that you see in the land and the roaring that you hear over our nation is demon spirits that are crying out because the angels of the Lord have come to silence them for this hour. And just as the world has put a mask on the church and just as the world has put a muzzle on the people of God, the spirit of intimidation that has risen against the church, I, the Lord thy God, now I'm going to take that spirit and I'm going to put it on the world and the heavens that have been brass says the Lord I'm breaking by the power of the Holy Ghost for four years saith God from night to for 2021 through 2024 this is the last final harvest saith God that is going to hit this church no demon will be able to stop the glory of the Lord that's coming get ready says the Lord for the holiness of God is coming up in this hour and I, the Lord thy God, will take no backseat to a man. For what I'm getting ready to do, says the Lord, will not be known by personality or name, but it will be known by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to pull down strongholds over this nation. Sports will not recover, though they say they will. Theaters are going to remain empty, saith God. And the church is going to begin to fill up and the glitter of sin that has drawn the sinner to the world is now going to be tarnished and I'm going to cause the church saith the Lord to rise to her feet there is a war of the line of Judah saith God I'm going to release divine healing upon the nation I am also coming after a generation of young people that have never been in church never known God 
I'm going to invade the homosexual community and I'm going to set them free by the power of the Holy Ghost. There is anointing, saith the Lord, that I am releasing over this nation. Just as the laws have come out of this city in the natural, saith God, so now is there a law being released out of heaven that says my church will not be silent for though I am raising up, hallelujah, mighty men for the spirit of Jezebel has ruled over this nation for a century. But I have raised up an Elijah anointing, saith God, that's going to break the spirit of Jezebel. And there's going to be peace in the land. There's going to be silence amongst the liberals, saith the Lord. And I'm going to put a roar in the mouth of my people. Even to the age of young five and six-year-olds, the glory of God is getting ready to come down upon this nation. Give a shout, saith the Lord, for I have not forgotten thee. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. In 1906, William Seymour said this, there is another revival coming about a hundred years and the bloodline is going to cross the color line. Hear God today. This is not about color. This is not about culture. This is about the church. And God said the church is my body. So today I release healing into you. I release a spirit of boldness upon you. Yet come against the spirit. Rise up, saith God. Whatever you bind, I'll bind. Whatever you loose, I'll loose. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There is a liberty, saith the Lord. I am releasing over this land. And it is a harvest of souls. Your churches are going to fill up. Your children are going to praise the Lord. Your bodies are going to be healed. Because I declare it, saith God. And it shall be done, saith God. That's amazing prophecy, prophetic word. I, this is unusual, but I have to say this. As I was watching this, I didn't hear this during the first service, but right now the Holy Spirit just impressed me. There's someone that doesn't want to hear this, but you need to hear this. I can't imagine why you wouldn't like to hear that, but somebody didn't like to hear that that's hearing this right now. You need to hear it, okay? You understand? I just want to share that with you. I don't know why, I don't know who, what, where, when, but somebody had heard that. You said, I don't like that. I can't imagine why, but you need to hear it. So just hold tight, okay? So this is so encouraging, isn't it? It's so encouraging to revival, awakening, outpouring. It's amazing. It's what we live for. It's what I pray for. But at the same time, I need you to understand something. I'm hearing other prophetic words. I've heard words. People have said they've had dreams and visions, and they've seen churches, and people are sleeping on the floors, and we're feeding, and the, mate, and the nation is crumbling, and, and, and people are, are living in churches because they've lost their homes, and the nation's collapsed. I've heard prophetic words that have said that they, they dreams, dreams, this was a dream that a prophetic dream a man said from the Lord. He, he said he saw foreign nations, he saw Chinese people in the Oval Office. Not, not, it's not, that's not a statement against Asian people talking about a foreign nation invading our country. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, okay, God, God doesn't, he's not schizophrenic. God doesn't say one thing and then say an opposite thing. He's not man that he turns and moves his mind. And so as I prayed over this, I said, God, what am I hearing? I hear this, and my heart leaps. I hear these other things. God, what am I hearing? And, and, and I want you to hear me today. I'm making a point that's, that's validating why I'm sharing this message with you today and why it's so important. Could it be that God is giving us a promise and a warning at the same time? Could it be that God is giving us a promise and a warning at the same time? What do you mean, Pastor? Well, I look in the Word and I look at prophecy and I see how this operates. And many times this is what God does. He, get, he gives a prophetic, prophetic word and says, this is what I will do if. If my people will pray. Based on how we respond. And I believe we're standing in a, in, in, in a place in a very unusual, very, uh, not very often does this happen. With the fate of a nation involved. So, Pastor, those are big words. I know they are. You don't know how long I've prayed about this message. And the church is here, standing in this place, representing this nation between a promise and a warning. And how are we going to respond? 
Let me show you this. Here's a prophetic word from a man named David Wilkerson, incredibly powerful prophetic man of God. Started the Teen Challenge Drug and Alcohol uh, Christ-Centered Ministry that covers the earth today. And and uh, went into the gangs of New York City when no one had done that. It built the Times Square Church, a prophetic evangelist for God. He's gone to heaven. This was in 1986. I want you to watch this. I want you to understand the promise and the warning coming at the same time. How do we respond? Can prophecy be conditional? <clears throat> Look at this. This is 86. I see a plague coming on the world. And the bars, churches... And government will shut down. Could we be the time he saw? The plague will hit New York City and shake it like it has never been shaken. We saw that happen, guys. Now watch this, though. The plague is going to force prayerless believers into radical prayer and into their Bibles. And repentance will be the cry from the man of God in the pulpit. And out of it will come a third great awakening that will sweep America and the world. What if the coronavirus is the pandemic, the plague? It sure could be. It sure looks like it. But here's what I'm saying to you today. What if the plague comes but the church didn't pray? What if what God expected men and women of God to do, they refused to do? What if facing this challenge instead of hitting our knees and hitting in prayer, we just trusted in man? What if we are missing our moment at this point in history? I don't believe God sent the coronavirus, but I believe God's watching about how the church responds to the coronavirus. Could it be that we're waiting on a vaccine instead of waiting on God? Could it be that instead of praying, we're complaining? Could it be that we've allowed the coronavirus to become a political football instead of an opportunity for the church to fall on its face and repent of its sin? Could it be that a prayerless, unrepentant church is standing in the way of the third great awakening in this nation? Could it be that we are living in a time where we have a promise and a warning and the church will make the decision which one God does? It's an amazing time, folks, that we're living in. And today, I have no interest in being popular. I have no interest in being political. I'm not owned by a party or anything on this planet. But I feel like I'm being a prophet in your, in, in your life today. And that I want to be faithful to do. Let's look at 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. I told you this is not a message for the faint of heart. But you need to hear it. If you're hearing it, you need to hear it. Let's look at this verse. Familiar verse, but do we get it? In the context of what I'm sharing with you, do we understand the moment? If my people... Okay, who are called by my name. I look at this verse and I see the potential for God's people without anyone else agreeing, voting, supporting to respond to a moment in such a way that a nation can have a revival. But I want you to see the conditions of this. I see it in David Wilkerson's prophetic word. I see the place we stand in now and, and we read again, if my people, you and I, who are called by my name, Christian, will humble themselves and what? Pray. Prayer is going to decide the future of America. Prayer is going to decide the future of America. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. I can tell you without prayer, there's no humility. If we are not praying, we are not humbling ourselves before God. But then he's very specific. He said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and then what would he see? And seek my face. Not my hand. Not things. Not, not what I want. Not what I need. But seek the presence of God. My people, seek my face. And look at this. And turn from their wicked ways. A repenting church is the open door for revival from heaven. A repenting church is the open door for revival from heaven. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from our wicked ways, what does God say? Then what happens? I will forgive their sin and then I'll heal their land. 
Do you see what we're reading here that literally the people of God can pray a revival over a nation? A church can release a revival over a nation. But repentance and forgiveness of sin precedes the revival. See, repentance precedes forgiveness. We have a, we have a, a, a message of grace today that, that, that acts like we're forgiven before we ask. And I'm not trying to be hard. I'm trying to be faithful to this message, guys. I'm trying to help us see the moment, to see the incredible opportunity, to recognize this assignment. God's given us an assignment for this generation. What if we are the church that could pray and release an awakening on America? What if we've been given this assignment by God? What if we stand in the gap in this moment where there's a promise like you heard, this prophetic word that is, that is profoundly encouraging, and yet here's these warnings given at the very same time. I don't think God is confused. I believe God is saying, which way will we pray? Will we respond? We can pray. We can release the glory of God. I want you to understand this. Christians seem not to want to hear this. But how we respond to God determines often what God will do. Did you hear that? How we respond to God will determine what God will do. God gives you and I a choice. God gives his church an option. Oh, we like to say whatever will be, will be. Listen, I don't want to hurt your feelings. Maybe you've said this. I haven't heard you say it, so it's not personal, okay? Don't take it personal. But I want to help you. It's just become a mantra of this generation. I hear it said all the time. Every time something bad happens, I think everything happens for a reason. I want to throw a Bible when I hear that. It just Everything happens for a reason. No, it doesn't. Not the reason they're saying. A tragedy happens, and we act like God did it. Listen, there's a devil from hell who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And I refuse to blame my God for the acts of a devil. I refuse to blame my God for the acts of wicked men. Don't just look at something with a fatalistic mindset and say, well, everything happens for a reason. I'm going to tell you God gives you an option. How we respond to the Word of God and the opportunities determines what happens in this world. There are bad and evil things that happen to good people, but it's how I respond to those bad and evil things that happens to me that determines what my future is going to be like. My future, your future is not determined by what someone did. It's determined by how we respond to what someone did. We have to get our arms around this moment that we have an effect, that we have a responsibility, that we have an assignment, that we have a glorious privilege to pray in a way that determines what happens next in this nation. We have critical, serious problems, issues facing our nation today. They're serious. People are in pain. People are frustrated. People are concerned. People are confused. There has to be change. We have to do better. We have to work through these issues that we're grappling with. But the question is, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? The question is, who are we going to turn to? If we can back up for a minute as the church, listen, I, 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 can't, I, I can't expect a non-believer to see what a believer is supposed to see. I'm not preaching to the lost right now. I'm preaching to the church. Is everybody with me right now? No, I love lost people. I, my heart beats. Listen, I'd rather spend three days sharing the gospel with a lost person than three minutes arguing theology with some deadhead Christian. I love to share good news with lost people. But I'm preaching to the church right now. And what I want you to understand is that we have to ask ourselves the question, with these real issues facing us, who's going to solve them? How are they going to be solved? If a man is the author of these problems, then maybe a man can solve them. But if these issues that we see have been put on us from hell, if it's really a spiritual warfare, if we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but principalities and powers, and if the author of the problem is the devil, the solution to the problem can only be from Almighty God. How do we respond? And who's going to help us in this situation? I can only bring to you today and answer the question, how do we pray for America? I can only point us to the Word of God. I cannot point you to anything else. Again, I'm not trying to be political or popular. I'm trying to point us to the Word of God. I, I'm telling you that we have to look to His Word. We cannot look to the words of men, the arguments of men, the philosophies of men, the isms of men. We must find the Word of God, stand on it, know it, use it as our guide. 
we're going to walk through this season that we're in. We have to lift up the name of Jesus. We have to determine my culture is the culture of the kingdom. Anybody hear what I'm saying today? I live, respond, and walk according to what heaven says, the kingdom says, the word of God says. I want you to look with me in Matthew 6, verse 9. How do we pray for America today? How do we pray? In Luke's gospel account of the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, is preceded with the disciples coming to Jesus saying, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Would you show us how to pray? They had begun to watch his lifestyle. They had seen him pray for hours, up early before daylight, pray all night, walk with his father, pray, and seen the impossible miracles happening. And he said, Jesus, we know your prayer life's the key. We know your prayer life is bringing heaven to earth. We want to pray like you pray. Teach us how to pray. And when Jesus gave them this, please understand me, we miss it so often. This isn't just some rote ritual that we mindlessly repeat. Like, pray the Lord, this is, you know, pray the Lord my soul to keep. You know, if I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul will take. No, no, no. This isn't some little poem we memorize. It's principles of how to approach God in prayer. So to answer them, he says, this is how you should pray. How should we pray for America? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, my prayer is directed to you, the source. And I come before you to worship. We come to the next verse, and this is what he said. The very first thing, the very first thing, we acknowledge God as a source, and then we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we haven't prayed that prayer, you've not prayed the right prayer. If we don't understand kingdom praying, we don't know how to pray for America. He includes our needs after that. Quickly, I'll go through it. He says, and after that, verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Verse 12, he, we can pray for our needs to be met. Verse 12, forgive us our deeds, our sins, our debts, as we forgive others. That's part of life. Verse 13, he then says this to them, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Other translations say, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. The first thing we pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, let the will of heaven become earth's reality. Let your will in heaven become reality on this earth. Prayer, listen to me, is the vehicle that brings God's will to earth. Prayer is the vehicle that brings God's will to earth. Church family, that should be our greatest common denominator. That should be the one thing that connects us above all the differences we may have. God, we want your will to be done. It's our commonality. It's our unifying thing. It's our strongest connection. Listen, unity and uniformity are not the same thing. We don't have to look alike. We don't have to come from the same place. We don't have to be the same age. We don't have to live in the same neighborhood. We don't have to be from the same nation to be in united, passionate prayer. God, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If you want to put on a uniform, we all wear the armor of God. Come on. We put on the helmet of salvation. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We gird our loins with the belt of truth. Our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel. We take up the shield of faith to quench every fiery dart of the enemy. We grab the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and we pray in the Spirit. If you want a uniform, put that one on. It's who we are. Your will be done. How do we pray for America? God, let your will be done in America. With passion, we pray. God, open the doors of heaven. God, release your mercy. Listen to this. Release your mercy. Release your love. Release your grace. Hear me. And release your divine order. We need the order of heaven. We need the order of your kingdom. We need your mercy, your love, and your grace. But, oh, God, we need your order. We have to be proactive in our prayer, bold in our prayer. It's warfare. See, we're not praying. I want you to understand this. We're not praying from earth to heaven. We're not begging heaven to come. We're not praying from earth to heaven. We're praying from heaven to earth. We're aligning with the will of God. Our origin of prayer is not earth, it's heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You understand that? We're praying from heaven to earth. 
We're not praying from the outside. Listen, it doesn't matter how we look. We're so worried about how we look. We're worried, do I, did I gain too much weight? Do I have enough hair? What do I look like? How, what did I wear? Where did I get this? What are my clothes like? It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside. What matters is who you are on the inside. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We pray from heaven to earth. We pray from the inside out. We pray that the will of God is done. How do we pray for America? 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy 2.1, the word is intercession. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Intercession. A word we're somewhat familiar with, but we need to really grasp today. I want to press in on this for the last few minutes. Intercede. We know we, we have a general knowledge of that word. To intercede means to go on behalf of another. We pray for someone else. God, I'm interceding for my family. God, I'm interceding for, for my nation. Do you know the Bible says Jesus is interceding for us? Hallelujah. Someone representing you before God. But it doesn't stop there. To, to give us a broader picture. The Old Testament word in the Hebrew that's the counterpart of the New Testament Greek word for intercession is used 46 times in the Old Testament. In Joshua chapter 19 alone, that word is used five times. It gives us a picture. There's an insight here that's vitally important to what I'm teaching us about how to pray. In Joshua chapter 19, this word that, that is used as intercession, a prayer word we get, is used in a very unusual way. I've taught you this before. We have to apply it to the moment. In Joshua 19, they, the, the tribes of Israel have entered the promised land, and Joshua is giving them their assignments. This is your territory. This is your territory. This will be your territory. Wasn't theirs yet. This will be your territory. This will be. Here's where the word intercession comes in. They will, your territory will reach from here to there. Your territory will extend from here to there. Pastor, what does that have to do with prayer? Reach to, extend to. Oh, it has everything. Because you see what he was saying. This is your promise. Hear me. This is your promise. Like that prophetic word about revival. But he said, you've got some enemies on that land. You're going to have to go possess the promise. Everybody with me right now? Intercession says, I see the promise. I see what God wants, but I also recognize enemies, and I'm going to have to go possess that land. Here's my promise, but will I possess? Here's what God says he wants, but will I go after it? Everybody with me right now? You understand? It reaches to, see, to possess their inheritance, hear me, they had to remove the enemies occupying the promise of God. If I'm going to intercede, if I'm going to pray for America, my family, my church as I should, I'm going to have to see the promise of God and recognize the enemies that are keeping me from arriving there. I've got to identify them and remove them. One word used in connection with this is the word watchman. The watchman was entrusted to stand on the walls of the cities while the city slept. He was trained. His vision was good. He could see a long way off. He could identify an enemy or a friend. His responsibility was to warn, to see ahead of time, to forecast and say, that's a counterfeit. That, that doesn't line up. That's an enemy. That's false. We don't let that in the walls of this city. Be aware. When he saw the good things, he said, open the gate and let it come in. Watchmen interceding are able to see the enemies encroaching on our nation and our families and our homes and our churches and say, shut the door. We'll not allow that in. That watchman also sees the Spirit of God and says, throw open the doors. Let heaven come in. That's the move of God. So how do we pray, Pastor? How do we pray, Pastor? There are boundaries. There are opportunities. God is giving us this. Church family, I'm going to take you through some things where I see the enemy occupying our nation, standing in the way of what God wants to do. Places, do you remember when I've shared the scriptures where we should be repenting for the existence of these things in our nation today? 
they are only the weeds above the ground. We have to go to the roots and destroy this thing that's invading us. Stop cutting the weeds and start dealing with the roots. Now, I'm going to step into some hot water right now. I'm going to make some people glad and some people sad. But I told you before, I'm not worried about being popular. I'm very gripped with being on track and letting us grab this moment. There's a spirit. There's a spirit that's out of hell, that's gripping and fighting in our nation. Let me take you to Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. I want you to see this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The spirit of abortion that is ravaging our nation and our culture is not from earth, it's from hell. I want you to hear me clearly. For every woman and every young lady faced with an unwanted pregnancy, something that she felt she was abandoned to deal with on her own, there is mercy and grace and forgiveness offered to you. From this church, from our God, many of these young ladies abandoned by the man that impregnated her, left alone to deal with the reality, rejected by a family. It's a horrible place to be in. I want to say again to those that have made that decision, I offer hope to you. I offer grace to you. I offer forgiveness and restoration from Almighty God. That's who He is. The church not only stands for truth, we offer options. We offer help. We offer grace to you in your life. But I need to tell you today, this spirit that is ravaging our nation, stealing the lives of unborn children, is an ungodly spirit that we should be repenting over and standing against what it does. But we seem to accept it. We seem to allow it to exist and, 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 and say it's common. Where are the watchmen and the intercessors that say God has promised us, an, promised us an awakening and in my prayer time, listen, I don't care about, well, I do. There's some things we should do in response to prayer, but we pray first. We pray first. There's a video that I wouldn't, share, I wouldn't show you in this godly place. That's there. You can find if you want to. It's, it's difficult to watch. One of the leaders employees of Planned Parenthood said this is what changed her life. She's looking at a video of a baby in the mother's womb during an abortion. The device that will suction that baby out of the mother's womb and snuff its life out was inserted into the womb of the mother. And on the video, you can see the child trying to get away from that. In the mother's womb, backing up, turning, trying to move. And finally, the baby's trapped. And the doctor, in a callous voice, says, Beam me up, Scotty, as if we're watching some kind of television show. I don't hate that doctor. I hate that spirit behind that. How do we exist in that mindset? Why have we not repented of that? What could the church do in our own prayer closet? The man I look at in the mirror it would change the way we respond to these things and allow God to heal this nation. I want to take you to another verse. You see, we begin to see these things that are affecting us. Psalm 122 and verse 6. What spirits, what enemies sent from hell are robbing us? And how are we praying? Are we interceding? Are we removing the enemies and occupying the promise? Psalm 122, 6. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. How can we ever inside the family of God have an anti-Israel spirit? How could we ever be motivated to hate the very place that God says he loves and we're supposed to pray for? How could we allow this to entrench itself and take grip of our thinking and the way we live and accept and, and, and we partner with this kind of thing on any level when it goes against the word of God? How do we pray for America? We pray for America in agreement with the word of God. Stay with me. I'm not done yet. Romans 1, verse 26 and 27. I'm giving you scripture for everything I say. 
I have one guideline and one hope. That's the word of God. Romans 1, 26. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. Verse 27. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. You see, the natural was abandoned before the lust was in place. Notice what God said, the wisdom of God. We're inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. It's the word of God. They say, well, pastor, where's our mercy? We have mercy. My heart's broken over men and women trapped in this life. My heart's broken over the lie that's been perpetrated on this nation that that's who we are. This is natural. This is normal. And we just continue to live with it and accept it and it weaves itself into our fabric when we as intercessors are supposed to be on our knees crying out to God. God, we're sorry. God, we repent. God, heal this nation. God, I claim the inheritance of revival. If it doesn't matter to you, what about your children? What about your grandchildren? What about the na- those that come after us? We are men and women who have to recognize these things that are dealing with us again. It took our nation over 200 years to accept same-sex marriage and make it legal and okay. But once that broke through, it was not two years later where transgenderism was accepted in children, four, five, six years old, we're being told are grappling with their own sexual identity. May God have mercy on us. Yet, we hear a promise of revival, but we're willing to pray. Are we willing to repent? How do you pray for America? I'm showing us how. We pray for America. I know what I'm saying is not popular. I know some of you are squirming in your seat right now. Not because we're guilty of these sins, but because we're guilty of allowing these things. Putting up with them. Believing everything but the word of God. Afraid to speak the truth in love. How do we help anyone if that's where we become? 1 John 4, 3. Let's keep looking in the word. It's, uh, just hold on. You're going to make it. We're going to make it. I've got to share with you what God's put in my heart. 1 John 4, 3. I want you to see this, the word of God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. My friends, it's that clear. Someone says, well, that's rather narrow and limited. Oh, no, it's not. My friend, if you go to the doctor and he diagnoses you with cancer, you can go get 500 more opinions, but you better take what's going to cure you. Get that thing right. See, it's not help to point people down dead end streets. It might not be fair if salvation wasn't free. Come on, you hear what I'm saying? If it wasn't available for everyone, that's why we work so hard. Why do we feed hundreds and hundreds of people? Why? Because we pray that if we fill their stomach, we might get a chance to tell them about Jesus that loves them. Why do we have kingdom builders? Because we believe that everybody on this planet has the right to hear the name of Jesus. It's why we invest thousands and thousands of dollars outside the walls of this church, not on us, not getting fancy accoutrements and gold-plated faucets and stuff. Why do we give it away? Because we want everyone to have a chance to know the wonder of Jesus. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. The spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. Today, I'm calling no one the Antichrist, but according to Scripture, you and I need to know his spirit is already in this world right now. There will be an Antichrist. There will be a world ruler that rises after the rapture of the church, and he will have such power and influence, and there will be such deception with he and his false prophet that in a matter of three and a half years, the nations of the earth will bow down to him, take his mark on their head, buy from him, kill those who do not, and put him in the very temple of Jerusalem, thinking he is the Messiah before he betrays them. And how will that happen in three and a half years? Because his spirit is working in the world today. 
And how do we stop this approach by on our knees interceding before Almighty God, recognizing this spirit and saying, no, you will not live in my house. You will not have my children. You will not have my grandchildren. You will not rob this nation from a revival. It is the spirit of Antichrist. Atheism as it spreads. All the isms, this sense of the occult that's rising in this so-called educated, enlightened nation is alarming. My friend, the spirit of Antichrist comes against the church of Jesus, comes against the preaching of the gospel, comes against the proclamation of his word. It's the thing that wants to take health guidelines and twist them beyond their function and say you can't have church. You can't open the doors. We limit your worship I'm going to tell you today there is a spirit of antichrist that looks for every opportunity to stop the gospel of Jesus intercessors are needed how do we pray for America first John 2 verse 9 10 and 11 anyone who claims to be in the light I'm preaching to Christians anyone who claims to be a believer but hates a brother or a sister is still in the darkness. Doesn't matter what you claim. <laughs> Doesn't matter who, whose name you got on your Bible. Doesn't matter if you hate your brother, you're not in the light. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there's nothing to make them stumble. Nothing there. Nothing to make them stumble. Nothing to cause them to fall. Do you have verse 11? Yes. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness. And walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going. Because the darkness has blinded them. It could be clearer than that. Listen to me clearly. Prejudice. Racism. Hatred. And division. Is straight out of the pit of hell. It's sin. It's not culture. It's sin. It's not tradition. It's sin. It didn't come from some guy running around in a white sheet with a point on his head. It came out of hell. It wasn't the work of somebody burning crosses and intimidating people. It comes out of hell. And the Bible says if we hate one another, we're in the darkness. And I'm going to tell you, you can't fight hate with hate. You can't stop prejudice with prejudice. You can't stop racism with racism. This stuff is out of hell and man doesn't have an answer to it. But Almighty God has an answer to it. How do we pray for America? We need intercessors. See what happens to us. It's vividly being portrayed in front of us because we have these moments, these opportunities. Will the church decide revival or judgment? See, right now, we know in this pandemic what happened. We're confronted with some things in this nation that we're grappling with. We've never had to deal with before. And what's happening? There's an increase in suicide. There's an increase in murder. There's an increase in rape. There's an increase in depression. There's an increase in fear. Alcoholism is on the rise. Drug addiction is on the rise. Drug overdoses are on the rise. Why? Because no matter what man turns to to deal with the the assaults, the enemies that are camping on our promises, only the power of the Word of God in a praying church will ever solve that problem. See, we have to understand. I'm almost through. Stay with me. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. That we, as the church, living in this culture... I want you to hear me. Our call is not to run away and run away and hide. Our call is to confront the spirit behind it. We're not angry, ugly people to other people. Do you hear what I'm saying? People that don't agree with us are not our enemy. They're our target. <laughs> They're the ones we want to love and help and serve and show the love of Jesus. But when we bring these things in, and for whatever reason, We want to identify with some cause. We begin to allow this in our spirit. We begin to accept it. We begin to condone it. We we become connected to it. Do you hear what I'm saying? We've become connected to it. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. How would that happen? I'm in agreement with them. I'm in agreement with them. Well, pastor, it's it's, it's, it's hard to step away from this. God's looking for intercessors. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Next verse. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's Satan, the devil. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
talking about unions and agreement. We love the lost. We, we, we will feed you, pray for you, point you to Jesus, love you, walk with you. But I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to get yoked together with you in this madness. What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. We're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them. Isn't this amazing? And I will walk among them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. Hold on here. Do you see this option, this privilege, this, this, this glorious moment we have? God says, I'll live with them. I'll walk among them. I will be their God. They'll be my people. What a, what a privilege to intercede. Let's go on. Therefore... Come out from bumbling. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. doesn't mean I walk around, oh, i got to hide out from these nasty sinners. It talks about what's in my spirit and what's in my mind. It talks about what do I agree with and what do I not agree with. What do I yoke myself to because I'm afraid to confront it in my prayer life? Next verse. This, this is what... This is what grips my spirit. We live in a fatherless generation. We live in a generation of young boys and girls without a father. We see the consequence of that. And if you and I will intercede and pray and live this thing, watch what we release. And I will be a father to you. Oh, what a blessing. I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. How could we hold that back from a hurting, struggling generation? Last verse. I want you to see this. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. God, get the sin out of my life. God, move the sin out of my life. God, don't let me try to get the speck out of someone else's eye when there's a pole in my eye. Don't let me live in darkness and, and, and blindness thinking that I have an answer when, when repentance should start in my house, in my life, where I am. That God, these things you want to bring can come to pass. That I could intercede and identify in my own life first, in my prayer, that, that these things can be broken, these spirits. I need you to understand these things I've called out. They're political hotspots, but I'm not talking politics today. I'm talking kingdom of God today. Someone may say, well, what are, what are we to do? How are we supposed to vote? I'm not talking about voting. I'm talking about praying. If it was left up to me, you shouldn't be able to vote if you haven't prayed first. And I'll tell you as this church, if you haven't prayed, you shouldn't go vote first. If you don't care enough to pray, you don't have any knowledge of how you ought to vote. But I don't care about politics today. I'm teaching you how to pray for America. May God help us find our role, accept our assignment, walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Save the children and the grandchildren coming after us. Remove the enemies that are destroying us. And occupy the land that God wants to give us. My final verse before I close. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 and 19. Jesus talking to his disciples. We're his disciples. And I tell you that you're Peter. Now we're reading the, the language Jesus was speaking in a moment. There's a play on words here. Jesus says, you're Peter. His name is Petros. It means a little rock. He used that phrase. You're a little stone. And on this rock, this word here is Petra, a mountain. <laughs> so he said, okay, Peter, you understand something. You're just a little chip off the old block. You're a little rock. I'm the mountain. Okay. And on this mountain, Jesus, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. And then watch this. Here's our assignment. Here's the church standing in the gap between revival and judgment, between promise and warning. And I tell you, let's go to the next verse. I will give you the keys, my goodness, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You have a key. The church has the key. We open the door from heaven to earth. I'll give you the keys. And whatever you bind on earth, it'll be bound in heaven. 
And whatever you loose on earth, be loosed in heaven. It's authority, folks. But I, I want you to get this because to fully understand it, I have a paraphrase. It's going to come up. I'll read it. Listen closely in case you can't read. Listen, listen, listen. Same two verses, paraphrase. Listen to this. Whatever you may at any time encounter, hear me? Whatever you may at any time encounter of hell's counsels, which I'm declaring my church shall prevail against. So see, before we get started, he said, at times you're going to encounter hell, but I've already defeated it. You got me? Okay. He says, you will then face a decision. It's not everything has a reason. Whatever will be, will be. He said, you're going to encounter hell some days. Are you listening to me? We're going to encounter hell some days. He said, by the way, I've already defeated it. But when you encounter hell as an intercessor, as a watchman, you have a choice. You'll face a decision as to whether you will or won't bind it, tie it up, address it, remove it. Are you with me? Watch this. What transpired will be conditional upon your response. My. If you do personally and consciously involve yourself, what does everybody want to say today? I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. I don't want to get involved. You better get involved. You better get on your knees and get involved. You better get on your knees. I better get on my knees. We better get on our knees and get involved. Okay? Consciously, personally, involve yourself in the binding of the issue on earth. This is what you've got to see. He says, whenever you decide to do it and do it, you will discover that at that future moment, whenever you choose to do it, when you do, that it has already been bound in heaven. Do you understand that? He said, I've already bound it. I've already seen the spirit of hell. I've already seen what Satan will try to do. And I want you to know I have bound it in heaven. And I'm just waiting on somebody on earth to do what I have done in heaven. And it's a settled deal right there at that moment. Can you imagine the answers to prayer that God has provided? The binding of these demonic spirits that are ravaging this nation, our children, and our inheritance. And all we have to do is choose. Father God, that's out of divine order. That's out of the will of God. That's not the plan of God. I don't hate those who disagree with me. I don't judge those who disagree with me. I'm not mad at those who've suffered under abortion, those trapped in homosexuality, those living under atheism, those bound by the Antichrist spirit. But I bind the devil behind that. I stand against it in the name of Jesus. And heaven says, thank God, somebody... Finally, let me do on earth what I've already done in heaven. It's our choice. I want you to stand with me. Please don't leave. I want us to pray before we go. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.